I wanted so much to be like these other leaders. I wanted big houses, lots of cars. I wanted to go on trips. I was clueless to who Jesus really was. I'm Paul Hastings, and you're listening to Compelled, a podcast with unique stories from the kingdom of God told by the people compelled to live for him. Last week, we heard from Ryan Dobson, who candidly shared about his life journey dealing with doubts, depression, and disease, and ultimately learning that God will never leave our sides. If you missed it, you can hear that story by visiting our website, compelledpodcast.com. Our guest today, though, is Sheila Booth Albertstadt, a children's book author who lived the first 40 years of her life virtually ignoring God, but after being confronted by his very real existence, proceeded to treat him like a genie in a bottle. That is, until he confronted her yet again. That story coming up right after a word from today's sponsor. A great way to celebrate July 4th and the birth of America this year is by signing up your family for a constitutional defense training with Rick Green and his family. This is your chance to experience a -a one-of-a-kind crash course in firearms training and America's founding documents with America's constitution coach and my friend, Rick Green. You'll spend your evenings learning from Rick about America's founding fathers and the biblical worldview they held and how that perspective is relevant today. And you'll spend your days out on the range with Rick, his family, and the expert handgun defense instructors of the largest firearms training facility in the world, Front Sight Firearms Training Institute. Hundreds of families have joined Rick and his family on these trips, and they all come home more knowledgeable about liberty and also trained and prepared to defend that liberty and their families. Rick told me that he had his concealed handgun license for 10 years, but never actually carried his firearm, leaving his family at risk because he wasn't sure about his abilities. But that all changed after his first trip to Front Sight seven years ago. Rick now wants you and your family to experience the same confidence and protection by learning how to defend yourself and your family. Rick and his family take a limited number of families out to Front Sight once a month to train on the range and learn about America's founding. If you'd like more information on how to attend with Rick, visit his website at rickgreen.com. Whether you've been shooting your whole life or never touched a gun before, this is your chance to learn in a safe and professional environment filled with like-minded people that want to be good citizens and also protect their families. Space is limited, so find out more at rickgreen.com and let them know that Compelled sent you. Earlier this year, my wife and I sat down for a conversation with Sheila Booth Albertstadt. Sheila has a warm and engaging personality, and I asked her to share her earliest memory thinking about God. I was six years old, and I apparently I had been taken to a church service, and I had never heard about God up until that point. And I have a little bit, um, somewhat flashbacks of lights and a tent, so it must have been a type of revival, huh. and an amazing grace that song that's all i remember and and then i also remember laying in bed praying for jesus to come into my heart and to forgive my sins and i prayed that prayer over and over again i wanted a baby sister really badly and uh and so i prayed i would i'd go outside and look into the stars and i figured okay if there's a god he must live in the biggest star so i'd find the biggest star and i'd close my eyes and i'd just start praying uh god i want a baby sister for christmas or my birthday and that following year i i got a baby sister the day after my birthday 
So I assumed because of that, that there's a God and no one could tell me differently. What were you taught after that point, you know, growing up? Like what were you taught about God and what did you believe about him? I wasn't taught anything about God. I had uh, a family, originally I'm from Norway, and all of my family in Norway are uh, unbelievers. And I have a few members that are actually God mockers. And basically from the time that I prayed that prayer, I was never fed. I was never nourished anything as far as the word of God. I didn't go to a church. I didn't know who Jesus was except for, you know, praying the one prayer. But that same year after um, my little sister was born, I found out that there wasn't a Santa Claus. And uh, because there wasn't a Santa Claus, I I then thought, okay, there's not a God either. Wow. And then, of course, I remember being 14 back in, Nor- in Norway, uh, having discussion with family members and relatives about God. And they made such fun of me that I would even consider that there would, you know, there could be a God. And I just remember at that time, I, I quit talking about it because I was ridiculed. The ridicule that Sheila received from her family was only the tip of the iceberg. Her home life was troubled and sometimes even dangerous. Uh, my biological father was an alcoholic and my mother divorced him when I was I think about two, and she remarried another alcoholic, and she herself was an alcoholic. So uh, I was raised with that uh, atmosphere, Uh, a lot of verbal, mentally abused, verbally abused, emotionally, physically. Um, You know, you never knew what was going to happen. I grew up with so much domestic fighting with my mom and stepdad uh, in the house. I mean, it feels as though maybe two or three days a week uh, ambulances were at the house and police were at the house and and we're we're talking broken bones and cracked skulls and black eyes but it wasn't just my mother it was both of them they were very toxic so growing up in that kind of atmosphere is really hard for anyone and uh, and then he died when I was 14 and she it seemed as though she took her uh, the, the drinking and that whole uh, sense of of emotions that she had bottled up from her, you know, brokenness. She took that out, out on me at that point. Hmm. Um, she's told me this many, many times when she was drinking that she tried to abort me and she would jump off rocks in Norway because that's where we lived at the time. And she would just jump off these high rocks and land just to, you know, so that I wouldn't be born. And, uh, and I remember when she told me this stuff that she hated me from the very beginning and it was always when she was drinking hmm. and, and I, and I look back now and, and I always thought, man, I was really a strong child, but I, I know God's hand was on me because I always had forgiveness towards her. I knew it was the alcohol and it wasn't her. I knew she truly loved me and, and it was just the alcohol speaking. Like many people who grew up in dysfunctional homes, Sheila's troubled childhood would go on to follow her even after she left her home. I lived a lie because I didn't want my friends to know my house, my home situation. So I feel like I lied constantly about, oh no, I can't do this, or you can't come over because of this. And you know, just a, I just felt like I lived a lie. So I was really excited to go off to college and be free of that. But also um, because I was so... Uh, needed to fill that 
I always call it a hole in my soul. Like I had a, this hole in my soul and I needed to fill it with love. And I thought that, you know, a little baby sister, I guess, would have filled it, but it didn't. Um, so then I filled it with food and became bulimic and was bulimic for seven years and went off to college and did tons of drugs. And I was a follower, I was not a leader. And just really horrible things happened to me. I, I can't even believe that I survived some of the things that took place. Um, so graduating from college was a very difficult task because I just mentally, emotionally really was not uh, strong. But I did and got married and ended up having a family of my own. Yeah. But I was still searching for something inside. I was still just wasn't whole. Yeah. I, I, and I thought, well, maybe it's because of my childhood and that's when everything kind of went downhill and, uh, we ended up getting divorced and, and, and it was devastating it, to this day. It's devastating. I mean, divorce is such a awful, awful thing. And, um, you know, I, I know that with God, we all, you know, this, it's almost such a cliche phrase, but with God, all things are possible. And I look back and think if I had God, if we had, I would never have, you know, I would never have divorced him. I would have hung in there, but, um, but I didn't have God. So divorce was normal and, yeah. you know, in society today. After her divorce, Sheila remarried. And within three years, four more children had joined their family but she still felt the same hole in her soul that she described earlier, and nothing was quite able to fill it. She was a self-described alcoholic, still using drugs, and quickly, the same issues that had plagued her first marriage were appearing again in her second. But right as Sheila was preparing to walk out of her marriage, something unusual happened. So I was secretly packing up stuff, and I was going to get divorced. And I went and saw an attorney, and things were in motion until I got a phone call from my little sister that I prayed for. And she basically cried out to me and said, I need to come detox at your home. And, uh, and, and I, at the time I'm thinking, why me? Well, I'm taking care of my older sister's children. Now my younger sister wants to come detox. I have my own problems. Why me? Yeah. And she said, because you're, you, you just got your life together. Well, she knew I prayed for her to come into the world. Uh, We've always had this bond about it, you know, because I'm the one who brought you into this world because I prayed for you. Yeah. Um, but I think she looked up to me as the big sister who had her life together, and I'm just going to do whatever she tells me to do. Yeah. And um, so she drove to Fairhope, Alabama, where I live. She's down in South Florida. And... Uh, at that moment is when our lives changed completely. On her drive, I knew she was going to be going through withdrawals, and uh, she and she was detoxing from from drugs or heroin. Yeah, she from everything. I mean, I think crystal meth is where she that was the the drug of her choice at the time. Yeah. But also drinking tons of vodka, smoking three packs of cigarettes a day. So she was always high. And for fifteen years, when I went off to college and left her back home in Florida. Um, it was really a hard thing for me uh, to do because I was I was kind of like her mother. I was her caretaker. I protected her from all the violence. I protected her from uh, witnessing my mom and dad fighting and blood and screaming and crying and hair pulling. You know, 
I would take her and get her out of the house and walk the streets. It didn't matter if it was 10 o'clock at night or 2 o'clock in the morning. So when she came to visit, uh, I went to a friend and asked the friend in my neighborhood who was knowledgeable in the medical field. And I said, I've never dealt with anyone who is getting ready to detox. So what do I do with her? And she said, bring her to this revival. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh. But for whatever reason, I said, okay, I will. And what was that? What was the thought going through your head at that very moment? My immediate thought must have been like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you want me to take her to a service? I'm, I'm, this is medical stuff. But immediately I was reminded about praying to the, into the stars for, her, for my little sister. And, and so the next thing I know is I'm thinking, I'll just use it as like a prayer house. I'll go in and pray that God takes away her addiction because it worked with her the first time, so maybe it'll happen again. So that's that's what went through my head, yeah. and and so when she arrived, um, you know, she was. I, I don't know about the detox process if, if she was using on the way. I have no idea how that worked, but when we ended up going to the re, the the revival, I didn't tell her where I was taking her because I didn't want her to say no, because she also has zero God in her life, no upbringing, no one's ever fed us or taught us. And so we ended up going, and um, I and when I got there, I told her, she's like, this isn't an intervention, is it? Because I didn't tell her where we were going. I said, no. And I said, but we are at this church service, and and she, I just remember her like, oh, you know, Sheila, Rolling I'm not going to be able to to do this. And I said, well, let's just go in and all I want to do is pray. And when and and once you're ready to go, we'll go. And so we went into this building and there were um I, I just remember it being loud, a lot of music. Uh there was an evangelist and he uh, was was I don't even think it was preaching. This is this is where things are a little foggy because everything happens so fast. But we went into the building. We sat down. The next thing I know, um, you know, I'm looking around at people praying in tongues and singing and hands up. I look at, over at my little sister on the left, and she's. You can tell she's nervous. Her leg is just going a hundred miles a minute, you know, and and she looks over at me and I said, it's okay. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll go when you're ready. And the evangelist starts walking towards us and we're sitting on the edge of the aisle and she's on the seat closest to the, the end. And he starts walking towards us and he makes eye contact with me. And as soon as he made eye contact with me, I just knew he was going to call me up. And, and so I put my head down and thought, oh my gosh, don't call me. There's nothing wrong with me. It's her that needs, you know, and, and I was just praying, oh, don't call, don't call me out. And so as he starts walking by, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I, 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 she needs help. So I pushed my little sister and she fell. And from that minute, from that moment, it, that's when things just happened so quickly. I just remember him saying, what's wrong with you, sister? And and I think he kneeled down with her and then motioned over for people to come and pray for her. And then he continued doing whatever he was doing. But at that moment, immediately, I turned my head and I looked up and 
and I just started crying and weeping for probably close to three hours. I'm so sorry, I never knew you. And I don't know if I even knew who I was crying to. I have, I have no idea what took place because I can't imagine three hours later, I'm still crying that same thing. As Sheila tells it, this was her first true encounter with God as he convicted her of the sin in her life. She wept because of the guilt that she carried from decades of trying to fill her life with drugs, men, alcohol, food, and anything else that promised to soothe her pain. She wept because she realized that at last, at last, she had found the only cure for the void in her heart. If you like to stay up to date with current events, then you'll especially appreciate another podcast I enjoy called The World and Everything in It. It's a daily news program, about 30 minutes long, delivered every weekday morning by Christian journalists from around the world. And they aren't just rehashing the current headlines. They're actually doing investigative, boots-on-the-ground journalism while providing biblical cultural analysis. I started listening to their show about five years ago when we first launched Compelled. And since then, they've become one of my go-to sources for understanding current events from a biblical perspective. But they pull no punches. In fact, they tell the facts just as they are, even when it requires sharing uncomfortable truths. Maybe that's why they're one of Apple Podcasts' top 100 news programs. Join me and thousands of other Christians from around the world who listen to the world and everything in it. Just search for The World and Everything in It in your podcast app or visit WNG.org. You love Christian testimonies. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to Compelled. But imagine if you could enjoy Compelled stories from Christians throughout the ages, including those who've already passed away. Well, that's what our friends at YWAM Publishing are doing through their Christian Heroes book series by retelling the incredible stories of Christians like George Mueller, a man of prayer who ran an orphanage for 10,000 children in England who trusted God to miraculously provide food and shelter for those orphans, sometimes on a daily basis. Or Elizabeth Elliot, whose husband was murdered by the Aka tribe in Ecuador, but chose to forgive and move in with the tribe to share the gospel with them. Or Brother Andrew, who during the height of the Cold War smuggled Bibles to Christians behind the Iron Curtain, all under the noses of communist border guards who could have imprisoned him for life or worse. These are the types of stories that YWAM Publishing is printing, and their books are written for kids ages 10 and above, but frankly, adults love them too. They've published 50 of these biographies so far, and we just partnered with YWAM Publishing to bring you five of my favorite stories. These are the Christians that have inspired my faith and millions of others for decades, which include the three testimonies I just mentioned, as well as Corey Ten Boom and Amy Carmichael. We're calling it the Compelled Christian Heroes Bundle, and I actually worked with YWAM to select these five specific stories, and they agreed to drop the price in half just for Compelled listeners. So it's $30 and includes free U.S. shipping. To buy this bundle for yourself or to give to a friend, visit compelledpodcast.com slash YWAM. That's the letters Y-W-A-M, compelledpodcast.com slash YWAM. And trust me, if you love listening to stories on Compelled, you're going to love reading these stories too. So the next thing I remember is 
looking around and seeing lights on in the convention center. People are cleaning up. Everyone's pretty much gone, but my sister is still on the floor in a fetal position, weeping. And um, someone helped her up. We got in the car on our way home. We didn't say a word to each other. We didn't even know what to say. I mean, we didn't know what happened. But without a shadow of a doubt, we were turned into new creations that night. We were born again. Um, and, And I walked into that church building one way and walked out a completely another person. And, and when I got home, I walked into my house and went into the bedroom. I think it was close to, uh, 12 o'clock midnight, um, walked into my bedroom. My husband was in bed, the husband that I couldn't stand and that I was getting ready to divorce. And I remember looking at him thinking divorce is not even an option. Hmm. I will not divorce this man. My little sister came home that night. She never once had a withdrawal. She never sweat. She never threw up. She never craved another cigarette overnight. Now that is a miracle. When this happened, what did you think was was going on? Maybe that I just encountered God. And but because I had no knowledge whatsoever in my head, but I had this knowing of who he was in my heart. I needed to align the two, but I knew that something happened. I knew that I was different. And I had this hunger inside of me that was unquenchable. I mean, to the point of I was at every church in my, I would drive around looking for churches that were open. On Tuesday nights, I'd be at prayer uh, nights at churches, on Wednesday nights, on Sunday mornings, on Sunday nights. Whenever there was a revival, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was there, and I could not get enough. It had to be in my ears all the time, and but I wasn't. I didn't want the word of God to be in my ears. I wanted to hear man teach the word of God, hmm. and because I, I tried to listen to the app with the Holy Bible in my ears, but it just I, I didn't. It, it just wasn't appealing to me. I wanted that, you know, I wanted that the preaching to get into my bones where I could feel it. And of course, you know, there are many wonderful pastors and leaders and teachers out there that present truth. But if there's anything that is watered down or a little bit twisted or added to or taken away, it's no longer truth. In Sheila's zeal to learn more about God, she made an oversight. Unlike the Bereans in Acts 17, Sheila wasn't actually reading the Bible herself. Instead, she clung to every word and teaching that she heard from different speakers and preachers. And she heard many things that sounded very appealing. It was a critical mistake that she would come to regret. Where I went from that point is into a uh, prosperity gospel, word of faith, very hyper charismatic. And so my understanding was that I am now, because I have the Holy Spirit in me, I now am exactly like Jesus. And I can do everything Jesus did and more. And, and that I had the power to cast out demons from people. I had the power to be financially blessed. If I were sick, 
It was because I allowed sickness and disease to enter me, which I could speak to and it would have to go. And if it didn't go, it was because I had either sin or unforgiveness or fear or simply not enough faith. And so I wanted so much to be like these other leaders who who could st- it almost became like I was worshiping the person more than God. Yeah. And and I wanted to be like them. I wanted to be able to have that kind of faith because if they could get on a platform and lay hands on people and people go falling out or speaking in tongues or being healed, then they are truly, they've got a lot of faith. And that's what I was searching for. That's what I wanted. I wanted big houses, lots of cars. I wanted to go on trips. I was clueless to whom Jesus really was. Yeah. And and that I, I was in that for five years. What's an example of how you would practically live out your life like on a daily basis with this kind of mindset? It makes me very sad to to say this, but uh, I led my whole family down this movement. And uh, I wouldn't let my kids say any negative word. Uh, I mean, every little negative word, I don't feel well. Don't say that because now you're not going to feel well. You must say that you feel well and you are healed in the name of Jesus. You know, if they were sick in bed, uh, I would go and lay hands on them and pray and just wonder why can't I heal my own kids? I have to have faith. I don't understand this. Like, why aren't they getting better? Uh, I would speak to my own sicknesses and not understand, you know, I, I have a, a my left eye, it's called a dead eye. Why can't I see out of my left eye? I've been praying for it. You know, why aren't my varicose veins gone? I've been speaking to them. Why do I still have hypothyroidism and it's not gone? I just didn't understand. And I thought, gosh, I'm never going to get this faith. God, I would pray for it and pray for it and pray for it. Um, I would literally go out into public because I felt like it was also a works basis that I had to go and do these things. And so I would go to Walmart or Target or wherever, and I would look for people that were in wheelchairs or had canes or, and I would lay my hands on them and, and command healing in their body. And I mean, just, I look back at crazy stuff that I did and it was nonstop. My kids, we would be driving down the road and I'd see somebody on the sidewalk hobbling and I would pull over and go pray for them. It was normal. That's how I lived my life for nearly five years. And what did you think? Like, let's say when you pulled over to pray for someone and, you know, that was in a wheelchair, what did you think would happen like that very moment? I believed that they would be healed. And if they weren't healed, then there was, sometimes I would think, well, I know I've got the faith because I'm believing this. So they must not have faith. What was it about the um, word of faith movement, the prosperity gospel? What was it about it that was appealing to you? That people had power to speak things out and it would happen. Uh, the people seemed so joyful in church. They seemed successful, and 
it is so appealing when you walk into a building or a church that that everyone is just joyful and crying and it just seemed like it was such a tight knit family and they were going to make sure things didn't happen to you they were going to protect you and you know speak against it and pray against anything that came in your life you know it's appealing because you you believe that all of these wonderful things are going to happen you're going to be rich you're going to be blessed you're going to have no health issues mm. um you're going to be one big happy family and yet there were so many things that would be said or things that happened in the church that i had this check like that's can't be it just can't be and i didn't know like who am i to doubt what this person who's been in the ministry for 30 or 50 years how can i doubt what they're saying but i was doubting what they were saying like what's an example uh, an example is a, about never you know you should never be sick um as a christian you should always get what you want for you can speak to your mailbox and checks will arrive to your mailbox and i would do those things and they weren't happening so i'm like something's wrong because I know that I love him, and I know that um, I have faith, but I just saw things in people's lives that just didn't make sense. Um, I even ran in some of these ministers that I would meet in person, and it would be like speaking to some a stranger, and I'm thinking, whoa, that's so weird, because if you're my brother in Christ, we should be like, oh, hugging on each other right now, you know? I'm so glad this happened to you, but yet they were so removed, like there was a wall between them. Hmm. And I just felt like something's wrong here. I asked Sheila, at that point in time, who did she perceive God to be? It would be better for me to say who he was is, I guess, what he was not. And he wasn't this uh, vending machine that gave me whatever I asked for in the name of his son. Um, in that whole movement, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but I, I, I can speak for myself because I was in it and I lived it for five years and God pulled me out of it, not man. But what I realized when God pulled me out of it was that I did not know anything about his sovereignty. I knew nothing about his holiness. I had no fear of God no reverence for God. I didn't understand his character, his nature, his attributes. All I knew was I've got Jesus living inside of me and I can do all these things. I felt like um, Simon in Acts 8. I wanted what they have. Mm. I was just so misled and had no understanding of who God was. And when I found out who God was, that's when my life changed. Yeah. Completely changed. For five years, Sheila had been convinced that God would do her bidding at her command as long as she had enough faith. But slowly, that confidence began wavering. It was at this moment that God chose to work in Sheila's life again. Have you ever wondered why traditional math curriculums seem like they have a one-size-fits-all approach? Well, that's because they do. 
the curriculum writers are making assumptions about how quickly your child is progressing, even if your child is actually struggling with a concept, which if left unchecked, can become a major hurdle to learning and hurt their confidence. That's one of the reasons why CTC Math exists. It's an adaptive online approach that automatically changes depending on your child's unique learning needs. By adapting to your student's pace, learning becomes not only more effective, but also more enjoyable. Can you imagine? No more tears about fractions. The interactive questions change in difficulty based on how your child is progressing, ensuring that they're challenged at the level that's right for them. Not too hard, not too easy. It's just like having a math tutor who knows exactly what they need when they need it. And as a parent, you'll love the detailed reports. You'll get to see their progress in real time and celebrate their victories and understand their challenges. Ready to give your child's math education a major boost? Just visit ctcmath.com and sign up for a free trial and experience firsthand how personalized learning can transform your child's approach to math. Again, that's ctcmath.com. As a teenager, I had so many friends whose lives were transformed by attending a Worldview Academy leadership camp. For many of them, it was the highlight of their summer because it was such a spiritually engaging experience. And today, Worldview Academy's mission continues. If you have a student between 13 to 18 and you care about equipping them with biblical truth so that they're prepared to stand firm and engage with the culture, then Worldview Academy is what you're looking for. Worldview Academy's week-long summer intensives cover topics in apologetics, servant leadership, and evangelism, all while building deep friendships with like-minded students. Your student will engage with 25 hours of interactive teaching, addressing questions like, how do I know that the Bible is true? Does God really exist? Who defines what is right or wrong? And what difference does that make in my life? Since 1996, over 42,000 students have called this one of the best weeks of their life. And with 18 summer intensives all across the country, there's certain to be one near you. Learn more and get 10% off your student's camp registration as a Compelled listener by using the promo code COMPELLED at worldview.org. Register for camp today at worldview.org while spots are still available. And remember to get 10% off using the promo code COMPELLED. Well, one day I remember hearing that voice that we all hear. And that voice said, get out of the books, get out of the YouTube videos, get out of that, that, those teachings and go read what my son said. And I, I just knew, like, I know that is God. You know, I know he's telling me that. And, and so I called my best friend who, um, you know, had been a Christian. I'm using quotations. I was a Christian for, for 30 years. She heard the same exact thing, but 24 hours prior. So it was confirmation that this is what we have to do. So we rented a, uh, we didn't rent, it was given to us a cabin in the woods in Mississippi with roaches and spiders, completely no distractions whatsoever. We prayed, we fasted uh, weeks prior to that. Our number one prayer was God, take out anything that is wrong teaching from us 
and and we only want what your word says. We only want the truth. And that has been our prayer since that time. That was three and a half years ago or three years ago that took place. And to and it's still our prayer today. And and so we went into this cabin and for four days we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. She heard go read the red letters. And so we assumed, okay, what my son said, red letters, it's got to be in the Gospels. And we started reading one chapter out from 6 a.m. until midnight. I'd read a chapter. If we got to a part we didn't understand, we'd close our eyes and just pray, God, help us understand this, you know. And um, and we continue until we finished. And it was four days later. And and during that time, I know that you can't be born again again, but that's what it felt like. We're looking at each other as though why haven't we ever seen this? Why hasn't anyone ever shared this? This is what Jesus says. Oh my goodness, what is going, you know, we saw a completely different Jesus than what we thought we knew. We saw a Jesus that that when you become lovers of Christ, you become less and he becomes greater. Um, you know, we saw uh, humility. We saw, I mean, things, it, all of a sudden, like we were thinking, we're wanting the world. We're wanting big houses and nice cars and success, but none of that matters. We're all gonna, you know, everything's gonna perish one day. What are we doing? We are completely, we've got it backwards. We are supposed to be getting rid of our stuff and simplifying our life and going after Him because of what He did for us. And that was really mind-blowing because it was such a, uh, it was such a shift in in perception of of what we thought and and then what we think now. Sheila and her friend were ecstatic. By reading the Bible themselves and reading the words that Jesus had actually spoken, they now had an entirely different perspective on who Jesus actually was, a Jesus that was far bigger than their own personal desires. But Sheila's time in the woods was only the beginning of a longer journey ahead of her. One that started the moment she came home. We left the cabin thinking we have so much to learn. We have to unlearn so much and relearn so much. And But we were excited. We both went to our churches. They went to a church in, in West Mobile. I was in my church in Daphne, Alabama. And we left the cabin on Sunday morning, met our families at the churches that we loved, and um, and I walked into my church, and as soon as I walked into that door, I just had this wave of of grief. I, all, all I can call it is this this anguish that was inside of me. I don't even know how to describe what I felt, but I cried the entire way through worship. I cried the entire way through this, the message. I was on my knees, just crying, sitting in my chair with my head over my knees, just crying. And I know that my family thought, whoa, she just had the spiritual encounter and she's, you know, this is great. And and when we left, I didn't even know how to tell my husband, but I just remember thinking, this is not church. This is not what I was just in for four days. I just got a glimpse of who Jesus is and this is not Jesus. And And so when I got into the car, uh, I picked up my phone to text my friend Kim, and 
I looked at my phone and she said, Sheila, I just left church and it was nothing but a circus. I cried the whole way through. And I thought, okay, that's confirmation. It's not just me. And um, I just, I don't know. Things at that point changed so dramatically. It used to be what I wanted. And, but now I look at it as it's, I'm just, I belong to him. And I sacrificed my life. I remember the day I did it with Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. I remember saying, God, I want to sacrifice my life to you today and give you everything. And and you just do whatever you want to do. If you want to take away my family, if you want to take away my career, if you want to take away my house, whatever you've got to do to make me more like Jesus, I am I'm I'm yours. Mm. And I don't walk a perfect walk with that, you know, obviously, but the beautiful thing is is I don't feel entitled to anything anymore. Like whereas I did. You know, maybe maybe it's what we want and and all of a sudden he's saying, but I've got something so much better. Yeah. And when you've had false teaching and your eyes are opened up to the truth, wow, that talk about freedom. Yeah. Our guest today has been Sheila Booth Albertstadt. Sheila, it's been a pleasure. Same here. Thank you so much. Sheila's journey of faith has had a lot of twists and turns from not believing that God existed to then believing that God was obligated to meet her desires. And then finally, coming to know that God's plans for us are far greater than just our wants on this earth. As Sheila learned, one of the most important tools that God uses to bring people closer to himself is his actual written word, the Bible. Not just hearing preachers teach from it, but actually reading it for ourselves. Maybe all be like the Bereans and closely compare the teaching we hear with the actual words that God has given us. To learn more about Sheila, visit her website, sbabooks.com. That's S-B-A, as in Sheila Booth Albertstadt, books.com. I should also mention here that Sheila is the creator of Maggie McNair, a popular illustrated book series for children. Maggie is a seven-year-old girl who is joined by a host of friendly bugs and insects as they learn all kinds of life lessons, ranging from hygiene to knowing who Jesus really is. You can find more about Maggie and her friends at maggiemcnair.com. You can also visit our website, compelledpodcast.com, and look up this episode. We'll include links to both of the websites I've mentioned above, links to some of Sheila's books, and some other helpful resources that Sheila suggested for listeners still wondering about the prosperity gospel. Again, you can find all of that and more at our website, compelledpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's story and want to keep hearing more, here are a couple of ways you can help out. The first way is to join Compelled as a monthly member. We have different membership levels starting at $10 a month, and as a monthly member of Compelled, you'll receive access to different perks, including the -the behind-the-scenes recordings from our interviews. So if there was a guest that you really enjoyed listening to, we might have up to two hours of interview time with them with all kinds of additional stories and insights that we didn't have time to include in our regular episode. And our $15 a month membership level includes an exclusive monthly live stream. Once a month, you'll be sent a link to an invite-only live stream where you can meet other compelled listeners, you can meet some of the team members from the podcast, and every once in a while, we might even bring on one of our guests from the show to directly answer any questions you have. But of course, the biggest benefit of being a monthly member is you're allowing Compelled to continue sharing these important stories. 
You can become a monthly member today by visiting compelledpodcast.com and clicking the link at the top that says become a member. The second way you can support Compelled is by sharing this episode with your friends. If you know someone who you think would benefit from hearing Sheila's story, then send it to them and consider sharing this episode on social media. Our show was edited by Zach Fowler. Find him online at zachfowlerimagery.com. Our logo was designed by Josiah Jost. You can view his work at siadesign.com. Our website was created by Ben Billups. You can follow Ben on Instagram at ben.billups. Our media assistant is Frank Allegrea. You can find him on Twitter at TheFrankAllegrea. Our music outro is by Ben Jackson and Brian Facchino. And our assistant producer is none other than my lovely wife, Sarah Hastings. Our guest next Tuesday is Robert Harris, a missionary to South Asia who has seen God work miracles to bring people into his kingdom. Stay tuned for a sneak peek from that story. I'm your host, Paul Hastings, and we'll be back with another compelling story next Tuesday. We were sitting there, you know, one day and and we got a knock on the door and it was some Mormon missionaries began talking. They realized, you know, what we were. And so they got out of there pretty quick. Yeah. And we just began to think and really just fell under conviction, to be honest, of, man, if, if these people that have a false gospel can have the boldness to go around in our community and share a false gospel, who are we with a real gospel not to go and share their true gospel? And so we just started following them around, and, and they would go to a door, and then we'd go after them. One last thing before I go. If you'd like to meet up this year in 2024, I will actually be on the road for a few events, either speaking or exhibiting at some conferences. I am still nailing down all the details, but already I know that I'll be at the Texas Homeschool Convention in Fort Worth from April 18th through 20th, the other Texas Homeschool Convention in Houston from May 30th through June 1st, the Home Educators Association of Virginia Convention in Richmond from June 6th through 8th. And there's also the chance that I might be at some other events in Louisville, Kentucky and Nashville, Tennessee later in the year, but we haven't finalized those details yet. If you live near any of those locations, then I'd love to meet you. You can also see our latest up-to-date calendar of events at our website, compelledpodcast.com events. And I hope to see you there.